The Murder Shelf Book Club contains disturbing content related to real-life crimes. Listener discretion is advised. I'm here to stand up for the people, just like me, who have been wronged. For the record, I'm sober, I'm not on drugs, I'm not on any dope. So if I wind up dead, I'm not suicidal, and I'm not on drugs. Christopher Loeb Welcome to this special mini-cast by the Murder Shelf Book Club Podcast. Let the games begin. Cuddle up a little closer, lovey mine. Cuddle up and be my little clinging vine. To feel your cheeks so rosy, like to make you comfy, cozy, cause I love from head to Hey Murder Bookies, I'm your host Jill. I have a true crime book club in the greater Philadelphia area and love discussing true crime, where I apply my 30 years experience as a psychology educator who studied serial murder. I decided to turn my love of reading and fascination with true crime into a podcast so I could share these stories with you. Each month or so, in a trilogy, I'll be discussing a book I pulled off my murder shelf. This, however, is a special minicast report for you. I promised you an update on the latest goings-on regarding the Long Island serial killer case, and by extension, the crazy that is the Suffolk County law enforcement. If you recall from the trilogy, Episodes 23, 24, and 25 on The Lost Girls by Robert Kolker. I covered the police corruption that accompanied the investigation into the Long Island serial killer case out on Long Island, New York. This triggered a number of arrests and trials for disgraced local law enforcement personnel. In 2016, former Suffolk County Chief of Police James Burke was found guilty of conspiracy to commit obstruction of justice and violating a victim's civil rights. He was sentenced to 46 months in prison, as I reported to you. This scuzzball is now living out as a hermit somewhere in Smithtown, New York. That investigation and trial were followed by the arrest and prosecutions of former Suffolk County District Attorney, Tom Spoda, and the former Anti-Corruption Bureau Chief, Christopher McPartland, for their part in covering up Burke's violent abuse of a handcuffed prisoner, Christopher Loeb, who I opened with. It was awful what Burke did to Loeb, and it just bugs me that McPartland was the anti-corruption chief who conspired with Spoda and others to cover all this up. So, what went down with Burke? Loeb was suspected of stealing sex toys, a Viagra prescription, a gun belt, ammo, and pornographic CDs from Burke's SUV. All rather embarrassing. First Assistant U.S. Attorney Nicole Boekman and FBI Acting Assistant Director-in-Charge Jacqueline McGuire prosecuted the case. In 2019, a jury convicted Spoda and McPartland of witness tampering, obstruction of justice, and conspiracy. And then there was a three-year delay in sentencing this dastardly duo for absolutely no acceptable reasons, which led me to blasting the court in Episode 25. It really felt good at the time. I report to you now that Spoda, age 80, and McPartland, 55, 
have finally been sentenced. Woohoo! Standing before Judge Joan Azraq, moments before being sentenced, Tom Spoda addressed the court. He said, I hope not to die in prison alone. My family will be forever marked by my disgrace. End quote. Wow, Tom, you're still not getting it after three years of introspection. You had three years to prepare for what you'd say before Judge Azraq, and that's what you came up with. Wow. Mr. Spoda, let me explain something. For the record, your family did nothing wrong, and they are not marked by anything. It is you who are disgraced. The mark is on you, not them. You. This guy still does not get it, and I really pray for his good health so he can contemplate his role in this corruption debacle. Now, Mr. McPartland, he also had his chance to address the court, and he told the judge that he appreciated the seriousness of the matter. He asked her to consider, quote, the very serious punishment that myself and my family have already endured, end quote. McPartland was disbarred and financially devastated, finding work in recent years as a clerk at a liquor store, according to his lawyer, Adam Weingrad. However, McPartland also forgot something. He also failed to apologize for violating his oath to uphold the law for the people of Suffolk County, so I don't believe he gets it either. Chief Assistant U.S. Attorney Nicole Blackman argued for a prison term for Spoda. After hearing that unbelievable statement that he made, Blackman commented that he had failed to, quote, take responsibility for his actions to this day, and you have not heard an apology, end quote, which is what I noted as well. Acting U.S. Attorney Jacqueline Kazoulis added, when a sitting district attorney and one of his top prosecutors are corrupt and use their power to intimidate witnesses and cover up a brutal assault by a high-ranking law enforcement official, they not only jeopardize the safety of citizens who are entitled to the protections of the law, they also undermine confidence in the integrity and fairness of our criminal justice system. Victim Christopher Loeb, whose civil rights were violated by James Burke, stood before the judge as he read from a prepared statement. As a man with a purpose, nobody should have this much power, and Thomas Spoda should spend the rest of his life behind bars. In her sentencing, Judge Azraq first commented that she had made her decision via the lens of her own experience as a former prosecutor. Both Spoda and McPartland had each asked that their sentences include community service and no prison time. However, the judge felt that they had thrown away the opportunity to serve the community when they chose to abuse their prosecutorial powers. Community service and home confinement are insufficient punishments here, said the judge, and I wholeheartedly agree. She continued, quote, The essential facts of this crime are so outrageous. Mr. Spoda's conduct, like Mr. McPartland's, was not a momentary moral lapse. Rather, he engaged in a years-long cover-up. During a years-long conspiracy, the sitting district attorney, let me repeat, the sitting district attorney conspired to tamper with witnesses in order to thwart a federal investigation into an assault committed by the head, the head of the Suffolk County Police Department, end quote. 
She sounds pissed off to me. So finally, on August 10th, 2021, Judge Joan Azrak sentenced both Tom Spoda and Christopher McPartland to five years in prison. Spoda was also ordered to pay a $100,000 fine, which had to hurt that old pocketbook. Outside the courthouse, Chief Assistant U.S. Attorney Boekman spoke. She said, the verdict in today's sentences demonstrate that no one is above the law. Well, it's a cliche, but it is really very true. Director in charge, McGuire, who is a huge, huge Spider-Man fan, addressed the press as well. With great power comes great responsibility, and we've proven throughout the course of this investigation, Mr. Spoda and Mr. McFarlane abused their power to skirt the irresponsibility to comply with federal rights investigations. They placed fear of retribution inside the minds of those who may otherwise have been willing to cooperate, and they interfered with efforts of federal investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of a heinous crime. Their behavior was outrageous, and their sentences today prove as much. Well said. Suffolk County District Attorney Timothy Sinti, once the commissioner of the Suffolk County Police Department. Keep in mind, it is the 11th largest police department in the United States. Said in response to the sentencing that the actions of the defendants represent the worst of law enforcement. Their conduct has devastated many people individually, depriving Suffolk residents of what they deserve from public officials, and was a disservice to all the honest, hardworking men and women of law enforcement. And a setback in the investigation into Long Island serial killer case, too. Spoda has until December 10th to voluntarily surrender to begin to serve his sentence, and McFarland must surrender by November 10th, both in 2021, so a few months away. Separately, on August 17th, 2021, lawyers Larry Krantz and Adam Weingrad filed a one-page notice of intent for Spoda and McFarland, indicating that they were appealing the sentencing. Now, this is going to make your blood boil. September 6th, 2021, these cowardly pieces of crap did appeal, asking the judge to let them stay free during the appeal process because they are great guys who've done such good things during their lives, and this should outweigh the bad. God, just gag me. Court documents state that they should be granted bail because appeals for them will present, quote, substantial questions of law, and if decided in their favor, will result in a reversal or a new trial. Further, they should remain in the comfort of their own home with their loved ones because they aren't a flight risk, which I absolutely disagree with, and because they aren't a danger to the community, which I disagree with. I think their presence in their communities might trigger a riot or worse. We have seen neighborhoods erupt due to miscarriages of justice. Just saying. I don't like this. The appeal read further that Mr. Spoda sincerely believes that he warrants a new trial. And I just want you to know that I sincerely believe that Mr. Spoda is stalling as long as he can without any intention of ever setting foot in a prison and leaving his creature comforts behind him. Not ever. It is my opinion that he is a flight risk and that this guy is going to bolt before he shows up in prison on December 20th, 2021. 
Mark my words. It's just my opinion. His lawyer, Mr. Krantz, wrote the motion, quote, There is every reason to find that Mr. Spoda's appeal is a genuine and substantial challenge to several aspects of his conviction that he sincerely believes warrants a new trial. All he asks for is the opportunity to resolve these challenges so he will know for sure whether he should serve what will certainly be an extraordinarily harsh and medically dangerous prison sentence, end quote. Just let me throw up right now. Genuine. If this appeal was genuine, there would be no need to write and declare it to be genuine in the document. You only need to do that when there is serious question about it, in fact, being genuine due to three years of stolen tactics on the record. Extraordinarily harsh. Well, let's see a minute. The prosecution actually asked for an eight-year sentence, and Judge Azraq gave Spoda five years. So this is not extraordinarily harsh. Now, after putting off the sentencing for three years, Spoda is now suddenly, sincerely medically at risk? Really? Sitting in a prison cell, huh? Well, maybe if he had been sentenced right away in 2019, he'd have served three years already. And with two years left, gee, maybe he'd even be out for good behavior. Okay, this guy is reprehensible. Take responsibility for your actions, you schmuck. Thomas Spoda, own it and do it from prison. Own it. All right, the guts of this appeal? Well, specifically, Krantz claims that the federal prosecution tainted former District Attorney Spoda by presenting a ton of evidence on the terrible, bad actions taken by then Chief of Police James Burke. And this was the actual basis of a conviction of Spoda. The appeal further argues that the testimony by former police officers who feared retribution from Burke and Spoda if they cooperated with federal investigators was, quote, inflammatory and irrelevant as it was unsupported and inadmissible speculation, end quote. All right. In case you're wondering about McPartland, his lawyer joined Krantz in his arguments on behalf of both of their clients. In a separate document, Vinegrad supported McPartland's bid for bail because refusing would be a gross injustice. I believe it would be a gross injustice to not put them in jail. You might have noticed this. This is a really hard one for me on this one. All right, keep in mind, back in December 2020, they appealed to have the convictions overturned because a witness had committed perjury. The judge out and out refused stating that this was, quote, meritless, speculative, and implausible, end quote. So they were shot down then on that attempt. September 21st, 2021, the prosecution responded to the defense's appeal filing. The feds deny that there are any evidentiary issues of substantial question of law or facts for appeal. Quote, their memoranda raises several evidentiary issues, each of which this court has previously denied, according to the papers they filed. They argue that it was necessary to include James Burke's criminality to provide jurors with the context of the conspiracy to cover up for James Burke. Well, duh, of course they need the context. And prior to the beginning of the trial, Judge Azrecht had agreed with the defense 
over the Fed's objections to limit the testimony of the police officers on this topic. So they sided with the defense. And during the trial, Krantz, quote, vigorously cross-examined the ex-cops about the difference of what they perceived with their five senses and what they imagined or believed with their minds, end quote, about retribution by the former DA and the police chief. All right, it sounds like they definitely addressed the points before the trial and during it as well. Moot, Point, Spoda, and McPartland. Just because the testimony was effective for the prosecution does not mean it was unfair or raises substantial questions of law. It means Spoda and McPartland lost because they behaved criminally. I believe they will try any legal shenanigans to get out of accepting responsibility and the consequences of their actions. Murder bookies, I am watching this one closely. Let the games begin. And that wraps up your mini cast. I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. Tune in. I'll have a regular episode out. Stay safe. Trust your gut. Our next book is The Potato Masher Murder, Death at the Hands of an Abusive Husband by Gary Susnecki. He is the great-grandson of the victim, Cecilia Ludwig, who was horribly murdered back in 1906 when wife-killing was all too common. You will be engaged in his search for the truth, and you will hear from Gary himself. Please leave a five-star review. It really helps to reach new murder bookies and grow the podcast. Reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or shoot me an email at jill at murdershelfbookclub.com. Love to hear from you. Thanks, murder bookies. Trust your gut. Source material can be found on my blog at www.murdershelfbookclub.com. Written and produced by Jill. All rights reserved. Music by Carl Hosina and lyrics by Otto Carback. Cuddle up a little closer, lovey mine. Cuddle up and be my little clinging vine. Like to feel your cheeks so rosy. Like to make you comfy, cozy. Cause I love.